This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Welcome back. Today is Thursday. And our share on Thursday is a share in Sefer Mishlei. We're given by Rav Shlomo Dov Rosen. Welcome back to our Shiurim on Mishlei. This is the sixth Shiur, and in this Shiur we shall be studying the second half of the third chapter of Mishlei, which is the seventh poem of the book. God with wisdom established the earth. Hashem Chochmah Yasad Aretz. Adonai B'Chochmah Yasad Aretz. Konen Shamayim Bitvuna. God with wisdom established the earth, or found, laid the foundations of the earth, and establishes the skies with understanding. In his knowledge, or by his thought, the depths are broken, are broken open, and the heavens give out rain. My son, do not let them deviate from your eyes. Guard wisdom or deep understanding and planning. And they shall be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you shall go along your way Sure, guaranteed, safely, and your leg, your foot, shall not stumble. In tishkav lotifchad If you lie down, you shall not be frightened, you shall not be afraid, and you shall lie down, and your sleep shall be pleasant. Al tirami pachad pitom umishoat reshaim tikitavo. Do not fear, or you will not fear, from sudden terror and from the destruction of the evil, if it comes. Ki Adonai yihyeh bechis lecha, v'shamar l'rad lecha milachet. For God will take care of you, and guard your feet from, your foot from becoming trapped. Al timna tov mi ba'alav b'yot le'el yadcha la'asot. Do not withhold good from those who should receive it, when you are able to help. Al tamar l'reacha lech v'shuv, do not tell your friend, come back, go and come back tomorrow, when you're able to give now. Do not plan bad on your friend when he is sitting unconcerned with you. Do not fight with somebody unnecessarily if he does not done bad to you already. Do not be envious of someone who is corrupt and do not choose any of his ways or all of his ways. For the deviant are hated by God. But those who are just, God shares his secret with. The curse of God is in the house of the wicked. But the dwelling of the righteous he shall bless. He scoffs at scoffers, 
but he gives grace to those who are humble. Kavod chachamim yinchalu, uchsilim merim kalon. Wise shall inherit honor, and people who are idiotic, they raise upon themselves disgrace. Now, this poem is about morality. It's about the internalization of wisdom into morality. And indeed, when one understands that, one understands how it is possible that these, this poem, which seems to be made up of three separate poems, is all indeed one poem. Actually, it begins with about six psukim, with four psukim, which are mirrored in the later four, with a middle piece, which starts each ver- verse with the word Al, do not. And this is a very sensible way, or very understandable way, to write a poem about morality. First we present something, later on we develop the importance of it, and in the mi- middle you have a series of do-nots, a series of arguments that are moral arguments, that we are supposed to internalize and bring into practical application in our lives. However, before we actually see the moral arguments and try to understand what their meaning is in context, first we should take a look at the first two verses, the first two psukim, which present a mashal, a parable. Indeed, really a parable of the nature of Mishle, something that you must go quite deep until you realize that each word has its own place and it holds within um, significant teachings. Let's start again, the first two psukim. Adonai bechokhmah yasad aretz, konen shamayim bitvuna. God with wisdom laid the foundations of the earth. He establishes the heavens with understanding. And we have already seen that tvuna is the developed form of chokhmah, or it is parallel to it. Chokhmah is wisdom, whereas tvuna is understanding, understanding the intention of the author. It might be parallel to it, and as several Mufashim point out, there's a form of Da'at which relates to Chokhmah, and a form of Da'at which relates to Tvunah, and that is seen here quite literally in the next Pasuk. However, why in the first part of this first Pasuk, Pasuk 19 of the third chapter of Mishlei, why in the first half of the Pasuk do we speak in the past tense, and in the second part of the Pasuk, the second half, we speak in the present tense? God with wisdom, laid the foundations of the earth. He establishes the heavens with understanding. Indeed, there is a major difference between the earth and the skies, in that the earth, the foundations of it, were laid many years ago. And as far as we're concerned, as far as the average person looking at it can see, it is pretty static. However, the skies are continually changing continually developing. Now, even if modern science doesn't exactly agree with this, this is certainly the impression one gets when one walks around naturally, and to a degree, I guess it's true even by our understanding today. The foundations of the earth were laid many years ago. They are laid with wisdom, and they are basically static. However, the skies are continuously re-established. Konen shamayim bitvuna, with understanding. And actually, this could be a difference between our understanding of what wisdom is and what understanding is. Tvuna. Understanding one thing out of another thing. Understanding the intention of the author. As we have seen both in Chazal and Rabbein Yonah, the idea, both of these ideas come together in what Tvuna is. 
Tvuna is about going behind wisdom or going beyond understanding what the person who spoke intended to say what was in his mind understanding one issue out of another that is certainly not static that is continually changing that is like the skies like the galaxies there's always movement there's always new creativity in Tvuna wisdom is like a textbook and Tvuna is something continuously changing now if we move to the next Pasuk we see that the first half of the next Pasuk parallels the first half of the Pasuk we just read and the second half parallels the second half of the Pasuk we just read and this is without going to the depth of the ideas but staying even on the level of the allegory in his knowledge in his mind by his mind the depths were broken open and what are the depths? those are the depths of the earth where water breaks forth from the depths of the earth and the skies, the heavens give forth rain shall give forth rain do give forth rain indeed, quite obviously the first half of this second pasuk parallels the first half of the previous one the earth is broken open the depths are broken open in the second half the rain comes down from heaven these are the two forms of waters that come to human beings one from the earth and one from the sky and the difference we noticed in the previous Pasuk is actually mirrored in this Pasuk as well when we speak about the depths being broken open we speak in the past tense Nivka'u they were broken open when we speak about the skies giving forth rain we speak in the present or the future tense Yir'afu Tal Now, what does all this mean? Presumably, there's a wisdom on the level, or by the type of the earth, something which is established, which is static, which is the foundation on which everything is built. That wisdom also gives forth a da'at. If da'at is, da'at is knowledge, it gives forth a particular da'at, something that you can work with. There is a knowledge that comes from the deep-set, established, static laws of the world, of the earth. Something which is unchanging, always the same in every generation. However, there is also a da'at which comes forth from Tavuna. And Tavuna is comparable to the skies. The skies are established, but they're ever-changing. God continuously re-establishes the skies with understanding. And understanding is something which continuously changes, has to always be readapted. And there is a knowledge that comes from Tavuna. And it is like rain, it is like dew, like Tal, that comes from heaven and lies across the earth, ever changing, every day being different. It doesn't always come up in the same place like the earth, the waters that come up from the depths. It doesn't come out of a static earth, or at least in comparison to the heavens. But rather it comes from the heavens that are ever-changing. That every day look different. The clouds and the rain that depend on that particular weather forecast, that particular, the nature of that day. And there are forms of wisdom 
and forms of da'at that come from that wisdom that are comparable to these two types. There is the da'at which is unchanging, static. And there is the da'at, the practical knowledge that comes from that. And there is the tavunah, the understanding which is always in flux. And there is a da'at that comes from that, like rain and dew. Now this is continued into the next pasuk, and this was really the opening. Generally speaking, the poems open with Bini, my son. But here actually, Bini, my son, is the call which waits for the third pasuk, after this opening. We are supposed to take this allegory and internalize it into the ideas of the poem that continues now. Bini, my son, al yaluzu me'enecha, do not let them deviate from your eyes. Nitzol Tushia Umazima, God both Tushia and Mazima. Now, the word Yaluzu is perhaps the most important word in this poem, and it will repeat itself towards the end, which is one of the ways to show that it is all one poem. There it means a deviant, and here it means to deviate. Some translations translate to slip. Do not let them slip from your eyes, and that's fine. But if we go into the depths of the meaning, we should really keep to a word something like deviate, if not depart. And that will become clear, I hope, in about a quarter of an hour. Let's move ahead. Netzor Tushia Umazima. Guard both Tushia and Mazima. Now we have already mentioned that Tushia is unclear. In modern Hebrew, Tushia means practical knowledge. But it would seem that, at least according to many commentators, Tushia should be understood here as deep-set wisdom. And Mazima means planning. In which case, Tushia and Mazima represent, as Rabbi Yonah suggests, Chukim and Mishpatim. Chukim are the laws that are unchanging. And Mazima are more practical types of laws. Indeed, we have already seen that there are unchanging laws of the world and there are changing applications of wisdom. So perhaps Tushiyah and Mizima mirror the two halves of the previous Pesukim. If Tushiyah and Mizima are to be understood as practical, then it would fit exactly with what we have seen before, that the word Mitzvah goes on the Mitzvah, to guard the Mitzvah, as the Gras pointed out, in which case the first half, Al Yaluzu Me'inecha, might be the intellect. Do not let them slip. Do not let them deviate. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Always think about them. What? Chokhmah bina da'at. Chabad. Chokhmah, tvuna, and da'at, which comes from both chokhmah and tvuna. Do not let them deviate from your eyes. Always remember them in your mind. And mitzol toshiyam zima in the practical realm. Action. Command. Guard them for the time that you'll be able to keep them, as we will point out elsewhere. The next pasuk is directly parallel to this understanding we have just presented now, or at least best read that way. And they shall be, what? Shall be life to your soul and grace to your neck. We have already seen at the opening of Mishlei that is perhaps the more practical aspect of wisdom. In the ninth 
פסוק of the first chapter, כי לוויית חן הם לראשיך וענקים לגרגרותיך. In other words, there is an aspect which is life for your soul. There is an aspect of wisdom which is grace for your neck. And neck might be, as we have seen, action, as being the beginning of the body from the head, and it's broken up into different parts. Alternatively, it might be your expression in the world. And as Rabbeinu Yonah points out, you first, in order not to be a hypocrite, you first must make sure it is the life of your own soul. And only then can it be the grace of your neck, in other words, the grace of your throat. In other words, something which you gracefully try to express in reality. You try to teach others. First it must be the life for your own soul. And then you can bring it out to others. And perhaps like the previous Pasuk, the second half, might relate to action. Whereas the first half, to internalization. And action must come only after internalization. Actually it comes out of internalization. And then, and grace for your neck your expression in the world, the way you speak. And now, how it will guard you and what it will mean for you. And then we'll understand that we're actually talking about something very moral. But first, what does it say about how it will guard you? Then you shall go in a sure manner your ways. You shall go in security. And your foot shall not stumble. God will take care of you. This is bitachon. When it is your life, it is life for you, then God will take care of you, that you should not get stuck in reality. And this might have a deeper meaning as well, as we shall see very soon. In tishkav lotifchad, v'shachavta, If you lie down, you shall not fear. And you shall indeed lie down, because you won't fear. And your sleep shall be sweet. This might relate to our relationship to the next world through death. It might relate to this world. We might realize that in this world, a lot of the time, we are actually quite asleep. And that will come up in Tupsukim. Do not worry from frightening things that come suddenly terrors that come suddenly and the destruction of the wicked when it comes because it will come and here the perplexing pasuk that gives us the impression that perhaps we're asleep in this life we're not really in control of ourselves for God will be in your what? The Yoshalmi quoted by Rashi here says that Chislecha is things that you are kasil in. Things in which you are an idiot. Which you do not understand. In other words it means B'mivtachecha <coughs> Sorry. With it, he shall be your security. God shall be your security. It is expressed by saying God shall be in those things that you are an idiot in, that you are unable to control, that you are unable to take control of in your own life. Bechislecha. And then, therefore, He shall guard your foot from lached. What's the difference between v'shamarad lecha milached and v'raglecha lotigof that we had four psukim earlier? V'raglecha lotigof. 
means your foot shall not stumble but here your, God will save your foot even from becoming trapped because indeed when you realize that you're not in control you're not lo- going you're not really in control of your life God has to save you from becoming trapped it's not this, just that you might become tripped up but you might actually get trapped you don't realize you're walking into a trap in this life we're often not in control and actually as Rabbi Yonah points out these Sukim are developing the concept, the concept of when these ideas of Chochmah, Bina and that are internalized we have a case of Bitachon of putting your security in God and realizing that God is Bechislecha in things that you are Ksil and that's how generally speaking the Farshim understand here the Chislecha means things in which you are a Ksil which you cannot understand the Meiri gives another explanation of the Chislecha and he says in your mistakes God is in your mistakes even when you make a mistake when you do something wrong God will take care of you and take care that you do not let this fall into and become a trap but that you manage to get out of your mistake out of your hate Hashem will save you from becoming entrapped even when you do make mistakes even when you do sin now one reading might suggest that this is the end of the poem or the end of the first poem because the next five psukim each start with oh, do not, do not this, do not that sounds like moral arguments moral laws and yet we notice that the previous pasuk to the one we just finished reading also starts with al just al there meant you will not you will not fear and now it's going to be do not this as far as the literature is concerned holds it together and gives you the idea that the next al the next beginnings of psukim that start with the word al are not another poem indeed they're clearly not another poem because there are too many parallels between the four psukim that come after the next five and the ones we have just read, the four we have just read. And this will all become clear shortly. First let's take a look at the five psukim in the middle that seem to break the poem. The moral laws. Do not do this and do not do that. And let's think about what they mean and then realize that everything that we're talking about in this poem is about moral behavior which is connected to internalization and application of wisdom in the world. Pasuk Avzayim to Pasuk Lamed Av 27 to 31 The five cases of Al which will then be continued with four Pasukim stringing the whole thing together connecting the whole piece. Al timna tov mi ba'alav biyot le'el yadcha la'asot Do not withhold good from Ba'alav. Ba'alav means usually its owner. Its owners. But what are the owners of good? So one explanation suggests that it means do not withhold somebody else from doing good. But it looks like you're supposed to act. When you have the power to act. El in the sense of power. So if you're acting, then why is it Ba'alav, the one that you're supposed to give good to? It would seem as this is generally understood, that this is a very beautiful argument. Ba'alav means those to whom it is due, as English translations take it. 
the one who you can help. You must help. Actually, the help that you are able to give him is not really yours, it's his already. He is master of it. He has already acquired it. It's already his due. It's already his. You can't withhold from him what is already his. The reason why you cannot withhold yourself from doing good to others is because you're really withholding him from what is already his. When you're able to help somebody else, that help already belongs to that other person because you have a moral obligation. This is beyond what we might seem see as the simplistic call of duty. The real call of duty obligates a person, makes one see that it's not just that you are obligated to act, but the good that you can give to another already belongs to him. It is his due. It is your obligation towards him. When you are able to act, and as Mephoshim point out, Rabin Yonah points out, you might not always be able to help somebody else. Don't assume that it is guaranteed that you will always be able to help somebody else. And you have the obligation now. It belongs to him. Some people understand, like the Miri, that the deeper understanding of this Pasuk should be seen in the realm of teaching. Or perhaps, more generally seen, your ability to help society and other people, particularly in intellectual or moral issues. Not just the question of giving them charity. And this is connected also to the next Pasuk, which is a direct continuation application and delving deeper into this one. Do not say to your friend, to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I shall give to you the Yeshitach, when you have it already today. If you have it already today, do not send somebody else, somebody else away to come back tomorrow. But why would you send somebody away if you have it today? Because you can't be bothered. You see it as a form of charity that you're not really obligated to do in who you are. But it's simply something that if you're in a good mood, you do. And if you're not in a good mood, you don't bother with. If you have it today, don't send somebody else away to come back tomorrow. Don't push them off. And Chazal in Bob Kufiud understand that this is related particularly to the idea of paying people on time. But actually, in the simple Pshat, as Mephoshim point out, it seems to be talking about Tzedakah, whatever we would understand as Tzedakah, the help that you can give to other people, society generally speaking. Not just, do not withhold from somebody else what is their due, because it's your obligation to give it to them. But also, don't even hesitate. Don't even push people off. Your obligation is immediate. You must do what you can for others. And now we have another pair do not plan on your friend on your neighbor bad means to plow and as Mephoshim point out there's something about plowing in planning when you plan it's like plowing you're preparing the ground and you're preparing the ground for bad that you might do to a friend when he is sitting with security with you now this would seem weird for this to be a developed form of moral behavior. This isn't something you need to teach people. At least, not the kind of person who should be reading Mishlei. Indeed, it certainly doesn't seem to have a very good placing after the previous two psukim that are talking about a high level of understanding your responsibilities to others in society. And hence, Rabbi Yona points out that this is even if you see the other person as having done bad, indeed, 
you, it is right for you to be planning evil against him. Perhaps you're trying to teach him not to do that to you again. Perhaps you feel that you have the right here to respond. And yet, if he is sitting, if he is dwelling with security with you, there is a moral problem with planning against him anything negative. As Rabbi Yonah points out, you must inform, to, inform him, and this is what the Torah obligates us, not to hate another person in our hearts, even if we should hate them. We have to inform them that we have a problem with them. We have to try and resume, resume it in some other manner. And even if it cannot be resumed in another manner, we must realize that there's an added moral problem with planning against somebody, anything negative, when he is sitting with security with you. Even if you're right to be planning, you must first let the person know that you have a problem with them. They shouldn't depend on you and then be let down. And this might be connected to the next pasuk. Do not fight with somebody for no reason. Chinam we saw in the second poem of the book. If he has not already done evil to you. Do not even fight with somebody. Do not even argue with somebody. If somebody has not hurt you yet, you have no reason, you have no right to argue with the person even. Never mind planning against them. You're not even allowed to argue with somebody. You're not even allowed to pick a fight with somebody if he hasn't actually already hurt you in reality. And now, after these four general moral concepts, which when we go into them in depth, we realize that they're actually quite deep. They're talking about responsibility to others and responsibility to be a very honest person in reality. Even when you are acting in technical justice, there's a way to go about it. There's a proper behavior, a proper approach in society to take responsibility and to behave in a correct manner. And otherwise, it's a form of corruption. And therefore we're told, in the last pasuk of these five in the middle, we're told not to be envious of someone who is corrupt. Do not be envious of somebody who is corrupt. And do not choose his ways. Obviously you shouldn't be envious of a corrupt person. But note that if you go by the ways we have been warning you against in the previous four psukim, you are choosing the ways of a corrupt person. Now we understand why the third pasuk, which basically opened this poem, Bini al yaluzu me'inecha, yaluzu means to deviate, to break off the straight path. Do not let these ways of wisdom and application and reality of wisdom deviate from you. Because there's a form of moral deviance, which is incredibly dangerous, even when you think you're acting with wisdom and in a proper manner. And indeed, that is the first pasuk of these last four that string the whole thing together. Ki to'avat Adonai naloz ve'et yesharim sodo For God hates those who are deviant. God hates those who are devious and I think more correctly by the proper understanding of the word in English. God hates those who are deviant. God hates those who break off the straight path 
and the straight norms of proper behavior in society. And the way to understand what they are is these previous five sukim, things of this nature. To understand that you have responsibilities to others and you can't withhold anything from them, that is their due, and you can't even hold them up and tell them to come back tomorrow. To understand that if somebody is relying on you, you can't let down that security even if you are right to, ultimately. To understand, you have to be honest with the person, right? And the next stage is to understand that you can't fight with somebody if he hasn't actually hurt you. Those are ways that are corrupt. Internalizing the moral arguments of life means understanding that there's a wisdom that you understand from the skies and the earth. That its application is like the waters that come from the earth and the skies. That they depend on society and they change within society and they develop within the particular situation you're in. And there's a proper and correct form of behavior like the foundations of the earth that come from generation to generation. And there's an application in each generation like the changing of the skies. Kitavat Hashem Naloz For those who are deviant, are hated by God. But those who are yashar, who are just, and justice is not just in the question of doing the right thing, justice is in the case of also being yashar. In Hebrew, the word yashar doesn't just mean to be just, but it means to be straight, most literally. Sodo, his secret is with those who are just. His counsel is with those who are just. Because indeed, they have God's counsel. And what is God's counsel? Knowing how to behave morally in society. Affecting that morality in your internalization. When as we have seen, when they are a life to your soul, then they are also a grace to your neck. And they are something that you can affect within society. And now the last two psukim, very interestingly put four categories or perhaps two which are repeated two halves of two psukim to those who scoff to scoffers God scoffs but to the humble God gives grace now some Pirushim understand for example Rashi that doesn't mean God will scoff at the scoffers but rather, if you are party in the group of scoffers. So let's give that explanation first. Im If you are party to scoffers, im you are laletzim, then you will become one that is scoffed at. V'la'anavim yitenchen. And if you are with those who are humble, if you make people who are humble your party, your group, you will get grace. The alternative is to read the following. Im laletzim hu yalitz. If to the scoffers, God scoffs at them. God turns them into a joke. And you have to note that all these four categories, what happens to the person, what the person gets from God, is exactly something by the nature of that person. A laetz, a person who scoffs, He's somebody who picks fun of, uh, at other people. What he gets back is the exact same thing that he was doing back on his own head. He's the only one who gets the identical thing. He scoffed at himself. One who is humble, obviously, the best reward would not be that people are humble to him, but God gives grace to that person. 
He finds favour in people's eyes. There's something beautiful about his personality. Indeed, Anavim is a general type. It's a general trait, a general character. It is the opposite of elates, a scoffer. An Anav, somebody who is humble, meek, in society, is not somebody necessarily who goes around thinking he is nothing. He is simply the exact inverse of elates. And we can see this in the next pasuk in the two halves. Kavod chachamim yinchalu. The honor of the wise they shall inherit. Uchselim meirim kalon. And those who are idiotic, idiots in the sense not that they could do anything about, that not that they can't do anything about it, but that they can. Uchselim. Those who act in idiotic ways. Meirim kalon. They raise, one raises shame. Who raises shame? Well, it's in the singular, so it looks like it's God doing it to him. And yet, Merim Kalon seems to be to raise shame from the action itself. It looks like the person acting idiotically himself raises upon himself shame, which is actually a very natural understanding. So if shame fits for those who are acting idiotically, then it makes sense only to say that Kavod is that which applies to a Chacham, someone who is wise. Wisdom gives honor. In fact, scoffing makes one scoff. That is to say, one scoffs at such people. They become themselves the joke. Those who are humble get grace, find favor. They have a beauty in their behavior that people appreciate. The wise, they get honor. That's connected to the intellect. And still, those who are idiotic, the inverse of the wise, they raise shame upon themselves. From the end of this poem, we can see that it's exactly parallel to the first part. You've got here the idea of chen, which we had at the beginning. You have here the idea of naloz. Indeed, it's very clear that this is one poem talking about the application of wisdom in one's life, in morality. The middle suggests, or presents, decrees of how to behave as an honest and good person. And what honesty and good really mean in morality, in the more fine aspects of proper behavior in society. And you realize that that's what it means to be a straight and honest and good person and have the counsel of God and morality. The morality that God teaches you from the earth and from the sky.